Hey, everybody, and Happy New Year. Um, this will be out on the first Friday of 2024. So I am so excited. We're actually recording this in 2023. So this is sort of the past, you know, and everything. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, welcome back to Hooked on Hitchcock. I'm your host, Jeff the Booney. I've got my awesome co-host, G. Larry Butler here. How are you doing, Larry? Good evening. Yes, I'm tipped up shape, actually. Tip, pop, pop, yeah. How are you Cheerio. doing, old boy? Cheerio, <laughs> old boy. <laughs> yeah. We're I, going uh, deep in the past tonight. When I it was know, still we're going in England, right? We're going to the year 1940. Yeah. So, um, the year after America. The year after David O. Selznick won the Oscar. For Best Picture for Gone with the Wind, he wins another big uh, Best Oscar for a Best Picture Oscar for oh, movie, back Rebecca. to back, yeah. Rebecca, amazing. So, the movie that um, so Hitchcock. Uh, to give a little background on this film, Hitchcock, um, Alfred Hitchcock was, uh, who we talk about every you know every episode that we do. Uh, he was. Uh, finally, like Selznick, you know, convinced him to come to uh, America, to Hollywood, to to film, you know, uh, in their in their stuff. And um, Selznick is very big on uh, controlling the film, you know. And one of his biggest things is if he's going to adapt a film, he wants to be true to the source. Um, Alfred Hitchcock himself does not like being true to the source. Uh, if you ever watch any of the movies that he does a uh, thing with, usually it's there. It goes astray a little bit, you know, in some way or another. And I kind of like that personally. I I don't like movies that are are completely uh, strict to the source because the problem with that is if I want to read the book, I'll read the book. You know, like I I'd rather it have some kind of twist that I don't remember from reading the book. So if I read the book and watch the movie, they're two, they're almost a little bit of two different stories, you know? Yeah. Um, that's the Hollywood twist. They put on it. They tweak it. Yeah. They, well, but Selznick doesn't like to do that. He likes everything to be exactly the way the book is. You know, if the book says turn yeah, left, you turn left. And well, so she's, the, the author sometimes doesn't like the way they change things either. Stephen King so. is very notorious for hating. He was not even a fan of The Shining. He was not a big fan of the original Shining uh, because they took liberties. Stanley Kubrick didn't, is kind of like Alfred Hitchcock where he doesn't want to do the the same movie as the book. But, you know, and once again, I sort of agree with that mindset. Um, but then I think uh, they did do a um, uh, uh, another version of The Shining, which is like a made-for-TV kind of version that was completely strict to the source. And from what I've understood, it's not nearly as good as... Some people like it better, but uh, some, most, most people like the Stanley Kubrick version with Jack Nicholson better. Yeah, well, that's because they had Jack Nicholson, and he's mm-hmm. he's great at improv. Some of his, his best lines were improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, Here's Johnny. Yeah, you know that one. He made that up. 
Right. And he's, but, you know, so, he's really great, but he also handled, he could handle Stanley Kubrick. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Stanley Kubrick. Uh, we, maybe we'll, maybe one day we'll do, after we've done Hooked on St- Hitchcock, we'll do some more uh, Hooked on uh, Stanley Kubrick. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, I don't know. We'll see. But we've got, we've got to get through all of uh, this stuff. And I've already reviewed this movie uh, for Criterion Watch, but Paul and um, it was Lenore. Um, but uh, I wanted to do it for, you know, this. Obviously, we're going to review all Hitchcock movies. We're not going to just say, oh, well, I've already reviewed that. I've already covered it. I'm not going to do it. We're going to mm-hmm. be reviewing all the ones, period, um, even the ones I've already reviewed. And so, yeah. um, plus, it's you that's helping me out. It's giving a new perspective to to the film. So, and maybe I will see something this time that I did not notice or did not even think about the last time. So, um, anyway, to go back to the background, Hitchcock uh, came to uh, U- uh, USA. He uh, and he picked the right time because. Selznick was very busy with Gone with the Wind and like they had massive like um shoots and other other things like Selznick mind was not on you know uh the film one of the things he wanted to do that Hitchcock did not want to do they fought over was at the end of uh at the end of the movie when spoiler alert you know which there's going to be plenty so understand this whole video might uh, this whole podcast will be spoilers. Go watch the movie and then come back and, and listen if you want. Um, but uh, what is it? Uh, the Hitchcock had uh, when when the when Mandalay is is burning. Uh, it, Selznick wanted the smoke to come out of the uh, out of it and into a shape of an R. Oh, yeah. And uh, Hitchcock hated that, you know, idea because he just it's too that. contrived. It's, yeah, it's it's too much of an edifice. Yeah, you so more natural. He changed it so that it still really worked, and I think it worked even better, in my opinion, where you just kind of track along the the house, and then you see the R on the um, pillow. So it sort of still ended with the R, but it's just. A different you know it's different take and it's more hitchcock you know that's a that's a hitchcock thing you know like that worked really yeah, well it's not as blatant i guess yeah he's sly with his humor and his and his uh, meaningful you know scenes too and as you said yeah you sometimes you have, word. You have to see it twice because I, I missed a few things the first time i watched it and then when i watched it again with my wife we just let it play. I didn't take a lot of notes. And uh, it was like, oh, my God, now that's why he said that. And that's why he was like that. And, you know, it, it made did a lot of sense. Like at that point. I liked it. Yeah. No, but did your wife like it? Yes. Yeah. She, she loves stuff like that. She she likes ghost stories. This wasn't really a ghost story, but well, it kind of implied that there might be a spirit there was, somewhere. Um, yeah, there was sort of the essence of the spirit and stuff in the movie. Yeah. Um, there was another you know, criteria. Most women, most women like romances anyway. And this is basically a romance thriller. 
you know. Well, um, I, I watched a movie called The um, Uninvited. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not, but I think um, I've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, in The Uninvited, um, there it is a ghost story, right? And it's one of the first like real ghost stories, you know, and everything. And that was a little after this movie, and I have a feeling that because they didn't go the ghost route, uh, because ghosts were sort of hokey at that particular time, um, they well, that was I still what, think they are. Yeah. Well, and I so, mean, I, I sort of enjoy, I enjoy ghost stories. Like those are some of my favorite, and I think it's because I grew up uh, on this show called "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" You know, when I was a kid. And in that show, they had a lot of ghost stories that were very uh, kind of spooky and kind of eerie for a kid, you know? So okay. I I grew up loving ghost stories, and I, I read oh. books like there was uh, the scariest stories uh, to tell in the dark. There was, um, uh, you know, scariest stories you've ever heard. These These books that I used to read all the time, Goosebumps. You know, a lot Goosebumps, of these old books. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Goosebumps was very popular, but um, you know, uh anyway, I, I ended up uh falling in love with ghost stories a lot, you know, and some of my favorite movies are ghost stories, you know. Um right. just because they're fun. Um but this was not a ghost story. It it just had like elements that seem like, you know, you could feel like there was a little bit um so I guess well, let's go. What her presence? Uh, her presence was very much felt throughout the film, mm-hmm. and you know because of all the references and you know, the that's references all and the fact that she was wandering a lot and yeah. she could still feel like because. Uh, well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. That's yeah, a big yeah. part of the story. So we'll get into the story. So to begin with, in the story, a um. Uh, so we first sort of see a, a big long tracking shot of of what like Mandalay is, and it's very dark and kind of it's kind of eerie in the beginning of the movie. You know, the first few minutes uh, of like right, tracking right, right. around the dark and and seeing how kind of scary it is out there. Um, and then we go to the uh what is it the cliff and uh we see Lawrence Olivier um and he is uh what's his name Jack uh everybody called him it wasn't Jack was it it was uh, Max. Max everybody Max. called him uh Max and um he uh he's such a uh wonderful actor I, I honestly I haven't seen enough Lawrence Olivier movies and I need to I need to watch yeah. it. Yeah, he was. Um and he's he plays uh Max 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 De Winter. And um he is uh I guess he's a very rich guy, but I, what does he do? Did I, he ever say what he did? I I don't I never caught that. Uh, a lot of nothing. He just uh well it's it takes a lot of work to be rich. You got to shepherd all these, the staff. You had 200 people on his staff. I know. My God, did you see all of them? When he brings the young girl to his house Mm -hmm. and everybody greets him, there must have been, oh, at least 50 people. I know. On his staff. Yeah. 
He has a huge staff. He has a huge house. I mean, he's he's a rich guy, but I don't I don't know what he does for a living. Like it's never. No, it doesn't mention. And something else, she is never named once in the movie. Nope. The young girl is that the, the first time that's ever happened? They deliberately what? left her name out. I think but, so. I don't. And he never asked yeah. her what her name is. I found a bit of trivia that you might find interesting. In the book, her character's name was Hamina Piddlewick. Hamina mm, Piddlewick. Maybe that's why they, they never it. mentioned it. They probably didn't want to say Hamina. Oh, well, they didn't want to say that. Like they didn't want to say Piddlewick. That's a terrible name. Piddlewick. Well, it's sexual reference. Um, but uh, some people think that it's like a lesbian uh, love story. Uh, between Mrs. Danver, who's the housekeeper, and Rebecca, who's the dead first wife, because she was well, a nymphomaniac, and uh, she liked men and women, but they well, couldn't. She really also loved talk her cousin, which was a little weird. Ooh. Right. Well, I don't know if it's first cousin, but it's a cousin. But still, I mean, I mean she still, would probably... that's a cousin. Like, I'm sorry, man. It's a cousin. Like, first, know, second, she, third, she it doesn't probably... matter. She would probably mate with a dead armadillo, you know, well, somebody you like that. She's a nymphomaniac, so, you know. She's a nympho, so, you know, watch out, world. <laughs> but interestingly was, uh, enough, they uh, never really tackle that in this movie, you know. They might tackle it in the book a lot more, but, like, in, in this story. Right, they didn't it, want to mention it. it was, and I think it was because in the 1940s, there were certain it rules. It was 1940, and, and they had the... Uh, what do they call that? The people that watch what you do and then they can pan the picture. Oh, the, the critic PA? board. Yeah, whatever it is. What's that stand for? In uh, Motion uh, Picture Association of America. Yeah, they they're they're critics that uh, they censor the movies. Well, they don't just and, censor it, but they give you like. Well, back then it was even well, worse. They do. Because, yeah, they, yeah. Oh, they can close it down. Yeah, some of them they did until they cleaned it up. So they had a lot of power, mm-hmm. and so in the '30s and I guess early '40s, but um, they weren't allowed to say certain things like shit and fuck and, and all and that you stuff. You couldn't uh, sleep in the same bed. You couldn't show anybody sleeping in the same bed. Uh, they had to have separate beds, which was not real. It was not a real thing, you know. Um, we never saw them sleeping, so it never, you know, that never got shown. But like that's that was a thing back in the 40s is uh if yeah. you had uh a couple they couldn't sleep in the same bed they had to share or they had to be in separate beds which is weird you know which would all make my, me think as a kid life. like that that was a real thing you know in the 40s or something remember leave it to leave it to beaver that was kind of a veiled reference he said you were a little rough on the beaver last night weren't you dad <laughs> oh. and uh, you know beaver what that means uh-huh. so but uh but was it didn't mean that back then no i don't know if they did or not but people refer to it it's kind of a funny line yeah and uh that was in the 50s so they're still pretty innocent but anyway so amina piddlewick but how how are we going to refer to this woman i started started her jay her uh, joan well, you no, know, I, I just call her uh, second Mr. Winter because that's literally what she's referred to. She's the second yeah. Mr. Win- De Winter. Um, so, but we can actually refer to her as Joan well, because it was she's hard for me to Joe write Fontaine. that. 
it's too much to write each time. So yeah. I just put a J for Joan, just so I could reference it, uh, her her name. But it so, was very strange not having a name. But uh, the second Mrs. De Winter. Yep. And, but, um, you know, and the, the opening scene, to go back to what you said about the cliff, I love that scene where it seemed like he was ready to jump, to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. But he was actually just examining the ocean and thinking dark thoughts about, oh, man, I got rid of that bitch. So, you know, stuff how, like, like that. How and, long after, like, how long has this been? Like, as like did he? Well, it's been a year. It had been a year? Because uh, back then you couldn't marry until a year after your spouse died. Something okay. like, I guess it was an unwritten rule, but. They somebody well, they didn't even do a normal wedding, but, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, but and then you know, I didn't realize until the, the second time I saw it mm-hmm. the, the woman that told him, Don't jump, you know, come back from away from it. And he got mad and yelled at her, That mm-hmm. was his future lover. I yeah. thought it was some other woman, I didn't even look at her face. I thought, Oh, what that poor woman, he's yelling at some woman to try to save his life, and then it turns out to be this future lover oh my god you see yeah. the stuff you miss it's just i i didn't focus and right. uh, well i mean i sort of did the same thing when i first saw it you know because you know you're not you're not pic- picturing that but yeah so she comes up there and she says you know don't jump and he yells at her like go away what are you doing here you know get out of here mind your you own know? business yeah you know and and, and i and like, that's it kind of sold it for me, like, well, I guess he was suicidal. But then later I was thinking, no, he wasn't. He was just thinking, well, I got away with it, or did I? Or, and so, I wonder if the sharks got her or whatever. He was just, you know, his looks, he's very expressive, you know, with his eyes and his face, facial expression. So, exactly. You know, it could have been, it could have meant a couple of things, but so, it, I took the wrong way. So yeah, so he wasn't, I, I, you know, he wasn't probably very suicidal, but he was thinking. No, I don't think it was suicidal at all. But he was haunted by her memory, and like he said at the end of the movie, I hated that bitch. You know, you think I loved her? You think no. I compared you to her and I preferred her to you? Are you crazy? She was a bitch. Yep. And so it's like, wow, what a surprise. Yeah, but, but we'll, we're getting we'll get to that. We'll, you're, you're, you're all over the place right now. Let's, yeah, uh, so let's, let's try to keep it to, right. like, like, we're trying to get to the, through the story. So they okay, end up going in, they're going and meeting each other again when they're in, um, what was it called? Uh, the French Riviera, I think, is where they were at. Uh, yes, or... yeah, Monaco. Monaco. And it, I, I was in that place. I was in Monaco one time, and I, and I recognized some of the places. And yes. uh, okay, go ahead. It was in Monaco at a club called. There was a hotel, Princess Hotel. But and, is that uh, a real place? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I cool. was there with my mother in 1967. Nice. So um, it's glamorous, you know, a lot of high rollers. Right, and, and uh, that was the funny thing is because we meet, uh, we see Joan Fontaine again, but this time she's with her yeah. uh, boss, who is a. Uh, she is a uh, Joan Fontaine is a paid companion, which I thought was an interesting job. You know, you don't really see that yeah, in movies well, she or whatever. Fits it perfectly. Which yeah, is, she's perfect for it. She's very meek, shy, and loyal. I, and, and I guess that was what 
uh secretary not sec assistants were basically yeah uh, you know I, I took over for the because i think paid companion sounds terrible like that sounds like a bad like that sounds like you're paying for a friend you know and yeah. which you basically are you know but you're also paying yeah. for somebody who isn't just a friend but also does stuff for you like you know right well all studio executives have that hitchcock had his own personal assistant you know mm -hmm. they they run they they're, they're called gophers they go for this go for that mm -hmm. you know stuff like that everybody has one it's in, yeah they still have imagine them. yeah so um, I, you I don't know have funny one is, yeah i saw um from dust till dawn um the movie and there's a behind the scenes like feature length documentary on the making it's called full tilt boogie and in that documentary uh it has like george clooney and uh quentin tarantino uh throughout it because they're the main stars of that uh movie and they show off that they have their assistants and their assistants talk about picking up their dry cleaning or or making sure they get stuff done on time and you know basically being their because they always kind of joke on it but being like their mother you know making sure because they're they're both women and they both you know do stuff from and i think that's wonderful that like um that we have we we still have like really good assistants who basically help these people because you know, without without the assistance, a lot of these actors and, and, and filmmakers would have like a terrible time because they would not know you. They forget everything, you know, like I'm sure, you know, you, you, you can relate to that. Like just just you just forget whatever, you know, and and, and having somebody tell you and be like, oh, you need to do that. Um, You need to go to that uh, audition right now. You're you're running late, yeah. you know, and stuff. Well, like I that. need one. I need one right now. Yeah. I've been on sets where they assign me a personal assistant if I have nice. the lead role. And sometimes it gets a, a little annoying. I'm not going to mention projects that I did, but, you know, this one lady was doing everything. I mean, if I drop a pencil, she'd pick it up. You know, like, I can bend over, honey. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, everything. She did everything for me except go to the bathroom well, so, she would do that for you too if she could. She you probably know, if sure. she could, she would. Yeah, but <laughs> oh, I mean that's Lord. going too far. But, that is going but, too far. But like that's that's. But they they yeah. do that. That there's one person follows you around. I can never be alone, mm -hmm. and I need my alone time. So I need my alone time too. So I get yeah, it, it got a little much. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I can uh, imagine what... to go back to it is like you know okay. so. She's basically a, a paid assistant in a way, or whatever, uh, paid companion. Right. And this woman, this is a this is a Hitchcock type woman, you know, like ah. the boss, like or whatever the yeah. the lady. Well, she I is call very, her a battle axe. She is a she's battle a battle axe. But you see she's this got a big mouth. She's she's really fat. She's really bossy, and she talks a mile a minute, and it's all negative. And yeah. uh, to tell well, her unless she's talking about Mr. Winter, Mr. De Winter, she's talking about Mr. De Winter. She she's always positive about him. Well, and, he had, well, she's smitten with him. I know. But, uh, well, because he was the late. only uh, famous face that she saw, and she was talking about that. And I thought, oh my god, this woman is driving me crazy already. 
Um, I, I, I remembered it too, because it hadn't been that long since I watched it. And the, you know, I remember this lady driving me crazy before giving me anxiety because this woman is just like, you know, um, she, she's yelling at her, uh, companion and she's just like, um, there's no, you know, there's no famous faces here today and blah, blah, blah. And it's I'm just like, cold what? too. Yeah. This coffee is cold as an ice cube. Yeah, yeah she's she, complaining about everything. She complains so, about everything. So then she yeah. sees the famous face, and she's so excited. And, and then when you saw the yeah. second part, you probably noticed that Mr. DeWinter, when he noticed the girl, and he remembered she was the girl who stopped him before, you know, yeah. he noticed that, and he was like, ah, okay, now I want to talk to this girl. He's but, like... But you don't see each other like that. That was very random, you know. You see her expression? I didn't quite understand it the first time. Second time I saw it, she was a little nervous. Like, <gasps> this is the guy that yelled at me. You know, he's like, yeah. she was cringing. And, uh, yep. but he, he got over it. You know, he wasn't mad at her or anything. Oh, no. He, and in fact, I, he I mean, interested. he remembered her, but he didn't like. He didn't think, oh, man, this is the chick I yelled at. He probably felt sorry for yelling at her because I think he yeah. did. Um, he he kind of was attracted to her because of her shyness, you know, and her meekness and her niceness. Well, Even yeah, because that, they're the exact opposite of what Rebecca was. Of what he had, yeah. Right. The bit. Yeah. So, so she ooh. was this, this woman, and, and she's very smitten with him, and he's very smitten with her. And uh, and then, of course, the, the battle axe is, is smitten with, um, smitten with yeah. him, too. Um, and she even writes him a note when she's like sort of sick, you know, not feeling too good. Uh, she writes him a note and um, wants him to come join her, you know, come see her. And he has no interest yeah. in seeing the, the lady. But when she goes to eat alone, she is very clumsy, uh, which we see. And she like knocks some stuff over. And he was like, you need to come sit with me you know and stuff and she's like oh no i'm fine i'm i'm fine sitting here and he's like no you need to come i'm not i'm not asking come on come over here and sit sit with me you know what i mean and i love mm -hmm. that like i loved his you know he's charming um he gives her food like pays for her food or whatever and she's just like oh i'm not hungry and she, he's like eat it you know? <laughs> what do you think about him what do you think about his behavior um, there were times where I thought he was very toxic, um, and very sort of like an asshole, you know, to her. Um, well, he snapped, yeah, but he he's snapped. very controlling too. Very he's controlling. used to controlling people. He controls right. her quite quite a lot. And I would then, think she um, would kind of resent. Well, you know, my big uh, thing with that. What was that? Yeah, she well when he he controlled her quite a bit. He 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 just tell her what to do. It wouldn't he wouldn't ask. It was like, no, you're coming over here with me right now. Oh no, yeah. we're going driving tomorrow. You know, it's just like I guess the men back tennis, then are very you know, they're whatever. very assertive, very aggressive. The men back then, you know, I'm trying to remember how my father well, he wasn't like that, but a lot of his friends were. They didn't, uh, especially with their children. You know, they they ruled the roost. And uh, so they're they're used to get in their way. Men, especially white men, uh, ruled the world. 
And so he, he was, you know, rich and powerful, very, uh, you know. Yeah. But he anyway. wasn't the nicest guy in the world. He mm. had a short uh, temper. Um, he definitely had a short was, temper, um, especially when it came to things with um, his ex, you know. Um, but we, yeah. we figure out. And so, like I said, I thought he was very toxic. I thought he was very uh asshole like you know to her yelling at her snapping at her doing all that and i started realizing whenever he was snapping at her or like freaking out it all had to do with rebecca and the more as you said before the more you start to watch it the, and everything all the way through you start to realize that he um he despised rebecca so any kind of remembrance right. of her was not what he wanted he did not want to even exactly, think about yeah. her and it, it uh, all made sense the second time i watched this it. like it all came together like and, oh and then now this, i get it every time know, somebody made it say i don't want to get it far ahead but uh we can get into that when when his relatives come to visit mm -hmm. you know his sister and her big mouth boyfriend or i her love husband. him i love that guy yeah i like i liked his personality but i liked his personality Big mouth buffoon. Yeah. But uh, he made a lot of gaffes, you know. Um, gaff means uh, kind of like, well, you know, probably, but everybody in the audience is when you say the wrong thing. It was called a gaff. And he'd say and he'd talk about uh, when they were he, they came over to visit and he'd asked uh, the young wife, oh, do you ride? And then, uh, no. Uh, do you sail? And I said, No. Well, perhaps you're better off, you know, because you know, yeah. he said something about Rebecca. Uh, you know, he, it's lucky for you that you don't. And right, then, because, he goes, because oh she, my God. she died and then, sailing. Yeah. And then you take a look at Max and he's like, you fucker. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll get, definitely get back to that uh, later. But yeah, yeah. Uh, he, was, he was a great guy. But, uh, but anyway, so... Uh, the the battle axe gets called. I'm gonna keep calling her that. I don't even remember her name. Um, she gets called saying that she. I, I don't her, either. I can't remember. Yeah, that her. Um, I guess it was her daughter is getting married, and so she needs to leave immediately to go home to New York, go back to New York, and everything. And so, pack up your stuff. We gotta go now. You know, right? Like, let's get over. Right. So, um. Uh, so she's upset because she's sort of torn. She wants to stay with Mr. DeWinter. She's having a great time with him. She loves him and adores him, well, but she doesn't want to be with this woman it, anymore. She's been lying to this battle axe the whole time, saying she was taking tennis lessons with a pro, and that wasn't true at all. She went driving with uh, Max, and mm -hmm. so that's 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 what's going on. And so yep. she hasn't found out yet, but that comes later. But, uh, but so, right, and it comes it was, like right after. So she, so uh, there's a little bit of suspense, like you know, and and you know, it, it gets you an anxiety because she wants to she wants to stay with Ma uh, Mr. DeWinter, but they keep missing each other's calls, and then she goes up to his yeah, uh, yeah. up to his room and tells him she's gonna be leaving, and he says, "Well, why don't we just get married? You know, that way you don't have to be with this uh, woman yeah. anymore." And I was like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't ask her. 
He doesn't Jay say, why her. are we? He says, we're getting married, you little fool. It's like, yeah. you see the type of guy he is? It's yeah. like, you think he's a nice guy. He seems charming, but he's got these just maddening uh, control freak thing. And ego oh, a little bit about him. Yeah, yeah quite a bit. Um, Very arrogant. And, you know, because he's used to being rich and powerful. Right. So, so anyway, anyway. Uh, they call up uh, the battle axe to come tell, you know, to talk. And uh, she comes up. She's excited. She's like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to go say hi to, you know, uh, Mr. De Winter and say goodbye. Yeah. And, oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm so excited. So she goes upstairs and he said he tells her she doesn't have to say anything. He's going to he's going to explain everything to this lady. And so he uh, so she's like, oh, my uh daughter's getting married so i'm really excited and um he's like that's funny i, I was i was inviting you up to you know to talk about my engagement you know and uh she's like oh wow that's great oh this is amazing Who, who's, who's the lucky, the lucky lady? woman and she yeah. points to uh he says oh you know her right, you know it's right your behind you. companion yeah but, he says she's standing right behind you. Yeah, and she and looks she, like wide-eyed, you know, and then she narrows her eyes, like uh, yeah, you knew that she's kind of gonna be pissed. And well, so, you sneaky little bitch. I yeah, know. well, she doesn't say that yet, and she's very nice because she can't be like the way she is to. Well, you she know, did it later when he leaves, but yeah. right, she can't be like that in front of him. But um, right. so he's he she says, oh. That's great. I'll I'll stay here and I will help you guys out and blah blah blah. Which I was wondering about that. Why would she want to do that? Unless she was just saying she wanted to do it, just a um, whatever, or or to keep her around as the companion for as long as she could, you know. Um, yeah. but anyway, she's he's like, nope, nope. We don't need that. We're just gonna go to the justice of the peace, and we're just gonna. Do it our, you know, do it ourselves. No, no ceremony. We're fine, you know. Nothing, no, whatever. So uh, he's it like, I'll go pick up your bags. Yeah, they said, I'll go pick up your uh, yeah, her bags. And she accepts and, it. Yep, and she accepts it, and she says, if anybody else would have said that to her, she, yeah, she she doesn't like to be told what to do, but for, with him, she just changes her total personality. She's very yeah. acquiescent. Yeah, because and so well, that, because oh, well, he's so... fine. And, and he said, "Well, you can't really come because you have your own, you know. But we're gonna, we want a private affair." And did right. she accept that too? I was thinking at some point she's gonna say, "Wait a minute, you know, you're stealing my companion, and I can't even come to the wedding." But she doesn't. She just accepts it all. She accepts like... it all, and and I I don't think she really even liked you know her companion. Um, I think she was jealous of her from like the very start because she's very pretty, you know, and yeah. and young and thin and like everything she's not. So like, like if you ever think about it, she has she has this power over her companion because she's richer than her. She's um you know even though she's she's a bigger woman and she's uh she can't she can't land mac and max to winter you know like she's lucky max is even talking to her you know basically you know he's too he's too famous he's too big he's too rich and so when she finds out that her companion you know got the big prize and she didn't even do much of anything to get him it was all him you know kind of pursued her um 
she the 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 battle axe is pissed and so when he leaves she's just she just gets on I'm like oh my god look at you you're you know like i bet you were planning this the whole time and you know all this stuff and she's just like scheming little witch yeah, yeah scheming uh, but, little winch or something yeah but anyway she gives her a look you know how women can look up and down like that and, and kind of have a dismissive look, and he goes, mm-hmm. "Mrs. De Winter," you know, and in a scornful tone. Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Well, that was perfect the way she did that." Oh, she so. was wonderful. She was she was one of my favorite characters, even though she gave yeah, me like me mad too. anxiety. I, I really enjoyed her. Sorry, um, she disappeared, but she was, I mean, I think she a, served her purpose. I mean, yeah, for, I know, for the, yeah, for the she, movie, a very um, good supporting role. Yeah, she did a great oh. job, though. I kind of want to. Who was she? Um, I'm gonna see what I was trying to figure that out. You know, I couldn't find any of the cast. Uh, it's on IMDb. Um, well, that's right. I should have done that. Uh, Uh, she's on IMDb, but she was let's see, uh, she was like a Mrs. something, um, Mrs. Van Hopper. Keep calling her the battle axe, but she was Mrs. Van Hopper, and um. She's been in other things like she was in a movie called The Moon and Sixpence. Never heard of that, okay. but oh, I've um, seen her in something, I'm sure. Uh, Maybe she was in a letter, letter to Three Wives. Uh, she was uh, she was in the musical On the Town with Gene Kelly. Oh, okay, All right, uh, seen Gene that. Kelly and Frank Sinatra mo- uh, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was um, in let's see. Uh, she's been in a lot of TV. She was in Les Miserables. Um, yeah, she's been oh, in a bunch of stuff. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, the the original Les Mis. Um, she was in a movie called River Lady. Um, let's see, anything else that I know of? You know, it's so funny to see all these older movies, and I just I don't know anybody. You know, or don't know these movies and never heard of them. Well, you know? we watch a lot of older movies, so I, I do know some of them. But her name was uh, yeah. Florence Bates, is the, the lady who played Miss Van Hopper. And uh, she was wonderful. She just, uh, she had this like presence to her that was sort of very scary. You know, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I would not want to be. just bossy. She was bossy. And I, I don't think she was that scary, but. She's kind of irritating. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I I need to know some of the other actors because I recognize them. The guy that played Jack Flavel, you know, the first cousin. I didn't get his name either. Uh, but. So his name, um, the guy who plays Jack uh, Flavel is George Sanders. Oh, that's George Sanders. You know, they said Hitchcock was in the movie. Yeah, but he, he was played, standing next to George Sanders, and I said, "I didn't see that." He was a I man in a phone booth. So he was in a phone booth. Did you see yeah, him? I did not. Oh, I didn't. I, I, I just saw him. that. That was a uh, trivia, and on IMDb, um, I, I it must have been quick. But George Sanders uh, was uh, a great role. He was in a movie called A Shot in the Dark, which I believe is not. Yeah, that's the uh, Pink Panther movie. Yeah, um, I've seen him before. Yeah, he actor. was in let's see, he was in Shine the Dark, he was in Trouble in the Sky, um uh Solomon and Sheba. 
Um, let's see. Uh, he's been a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he was a lot. Uh, the King's Thief. Um, yeah. Uh, call oh, me Madam. Ivanhoe. You know... he, he was in Ivanhoe. Oh, okay. Uh, starring Robert Taylor and Joan Fontaine. So he's worked with Joan Fontaine in more oh, than one. Yeah, role. Uh, I've actually wanted to see, and he was in All About Eve. Um, oh, and about I Eve? just watched Whoa. that recently because uh, it's on Criterion, and uh, I I bought it, and it yeah. was he he had a really good part in it, and I forgot that that was that I thought I forgot that was him. It's wonderful. Um, have you seen All About Eve? Yeah. It was, yeah. uh, I think I saw it when I was in college because I was taking psychology classes. And oh, that's uh, they, a good movie to watch for psychology. It's a, class. It's a great, great movie for it's oh. a psychological thriller. Definitely. And, uh, um, it, it almost feels kind personality. of shocky in a way, too. So I, I get it. Um, he was in The Ghost of Miss Muir, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's been in a lot of great The Picture of Dorian Gray. Hangover Square. I mean, this dude's been in a lot of stuff. Um, but all that seems to be after Rebecca. So I wonder if Rebecca was one of the movies that sort of um, skyrocketed his career, you know? Oh, he was in another Hitchcock movie called Foreign Correspondent. Um, so, yeah, I guess he liked working with Hitch or Hitchcock liked working with him, you know? Um I, I I enjoyed him, but we'll we'll get to his stuff later because he's an interesting. Yeah, uh, I just wanted you to know that uh, this is uh, the number ten on the list of the best Hitchcock movies. Rebecca. Okay, of I, whose I list? I happened to, to see a, a, the list that somebody wrote. I don't know whose opinion it was, but the, the top thirty films. This was number ten. Um, so apparently, was, I honestly, this would be high up for me on. You know, it, it, you know, it's funny is this movie reminds me a lot of Suspicion, which is our first mm -hmm. movie we reviewed for Hooked on Hitchcock. And it also stars Joan Fontaine and uh, a few other, you know, actors that actually acted in this movie. So it's um, in fact, Hitchcock wanted um, Lawrence Olivier to be the lead in uh, Suspicion, you know, oh. and stuff and other films, I believe. Because yeah. he really liked working with both of them. You know, uh -huh. this is one of those rare cases. It's not like um, the few of the other movies that we've seen, like uh, Torn, Torn Curtain, where he didn't enjoy working with the actors. You know, he loved working with Joan Fontaine. He loved working with Laurence Olivier. Yeah, um, you I'm know. sure it did. So, yeah, uh, well, she was uh, such a nice personality. At least that was what she portrayed, but I I have a feeling she's like that in real life too. Well, it's hard to create that. I heard really not. Really sad, sad thing. But um, you you know she you know who her sister is, right, Joan Fontaine. Uh, I give up. Uh, her sister is Olivia de Havilland. Oh, really? And so oh, wow. um. Uh, when Sister Olivian um, D. Haviland was nine years old, she made a will at nine years old in which she stated, I bequeath all my beauty 
to my younger sister, Joan, since she has none. Oh, my God. That's pretty snitch. Yeah, they did not. They did not like each other. They were always sort of up for roles, I, you know, and 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 everything. And you know, I disagree with that. I mean, oh, she's I definitely. Pretty, I think she's, she's a, very pretty. She's a knockout. She's not um, beautiful, but, but I'd take at, at nine years old, lady. I don't know what she looked like. She might not have looked great at nine. Yeah, with a personality like that, I mean, wow. Well, here's yeah, here's perfect. the thing that I I like. I would love to do a movie like this. Um, so nobody steal this idea, but, um, I'd really love to do a movie where you sort of see the people when they're young, you know, and there are two people competing each other's sisters. They're competing yeah. because they're both trying to be actors or whatever they're trying to be. Yeah. And then they, uh, uh, then they grow up and like, just like that, like where, you know, the person can be like, you know, I would bequeath all my beauty to my sister because she has none. You know, right? And then she grows up and she does have beauty. You know, she was like an ugly duckling kind of thing where she yeah, grew exactly, up. Exactly, yeah. You know, right. where she got beautiful well, later. I think a beautiful personality, is, I take it over physical yeah. beauty. Exactly. Uh, there's a movie like that. Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, you remember that? The Battling Sisters mm-hmm. when they're older and they flash back and when they were younger and God, I well, love there you that go. Movie. That could be remade today, I guess. I don't know. I love a lot that of people love that favorite. movie. Um, and wasn't Joan Crawford was in that movie, if I'm correct? Yes, and they hated each other in real life. It was so, uh, yeah, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. Was that it? Betty, Betty Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. They're fantastic uh, together. I need to buy that movie on. Uh, um. We're gonna have the baby, uh, baby Jane. Um, uh, yeah, I, I have to. I don't know where I can get this movie, but if I can find it on a Blu-ray somewhere, I'd love to have that because it's such a classic uh film. Where uh, I've heard of it, but I've never, never actually seen it yet. You know, you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you have to see it. I do. That I mean, no, I, top, it's just like top. I saw all about Eve for the first time this year. So I, I've definitely the plans yeah. have been because I mean, there's so many movies out there, I know. a lot of which I, I rewatch because if I like something, I don't just watch it once, you but know, or whatever. I, I think this is this would be on anybody's list of the top 20 or so of all wow. time. Well, yeah, I definitely have good. to check it out. Um, I, I do yeah. know that there was a uh there was a tv series that the guy who did um uh american horror story ryan murphy uh created called the feud which was about uh betty davis and and joan crawford fighting each other you know or whatever like yeah you know and i think it was about the making of whatever happened to uh, baby jane yeah well Um, in real life they hated each other yeah yeah uh, so that wasn't acting. I don't know why they got them to work together like that, but they did. They they gave them a lot of money, so that mm. probably calmed them down. That probably helped. So, I wouldn't lie. Um, well, so, they were getting in years. So they were lucky to work. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. So, so the uh, going back. So they decide to get married. They get married, and they he wants to bring her back to Mandalay. You know. Um, and so yeah. we find out we come to Mandalay, and I love that. I love those scenes where 
he's driving and we get to see how freaking amazing Mandalay looks like how big it is. And um, I, I think the inside was a set was sets, you know, like, I don't think the inside was the actual inside of that house, you know, and most of it was miniatures. If you knew that, by the way, uh, most of it was actually miniatures and stuff. So it looked big. It looked like a big house or whatever, but it was really just a small little thing that, you know, they took, you know, close ups right. of. Um, so anyway, they get to the house and, um, they go in and, uh, and as you said, the, the butlers and the, the people working on the yards, the, everybody's there. And I mean, she's already sort of, she's this sort of timid, scared. She's, you know, uh, she doesn't, she's um, prone to accidents, you know? Yeah. Just this. She's clustered. She's overwhelmed. She's mm. definitely out of her element. It's oriented. Well, she even she tells him at one point of... that, like, well, I I don't even know why uh, you picked me as as somebody. I I'm I I I I can't do this. Like, this isn't you know. Like, you need somebody who actually knows what they're doing. And he's like, right. You know, I I don't. I picked you. You know, because you don't do this stuff. Like, you're not. You're not like that and, and everything. Um, and so right. she's sort of, yeah, you're right. She's out of her element. She's like a fish out of water. It's kind of a fish out of water story, you know? And uh, so she doesn't feel very comfortable there from the very beginning, you know, meeting all these people and having, you know. Um, and then she meets Mrs. Danvers. And Mrs. Danvers is this, whew, that one, that other woman was a battle axe. I don't know what this woman would be classified as because she is, I mean, she is the queen oh, I was of curious. all that. She was so stern and so evil looking. She never cracked a smile. Mm -hmm. Just ice cold eyes, piercing eyes. I was thinking, did she play the witch in, uh, what was it? Uh, the one about the. Dorothy goes to Land of Oz. Uh, Wizard of Oz? No, that wasn't Wizard Margaret Sullivan. But interestingly sure enough, like I her. think Margaret Sullivan did uh, audition for one of the roles or something. That was her name, Margaret Sullivan. Um, or I'm not sure what her name was. Uh, Wizard of Oz. What was her name? What was the Wicked Judith Witch Anderson. of the West? Her name was Judith Anderson. Okay, Margaret Hamilton. Margaret Hamilton was the Wicked Witch of the West. Okay. But no. Um the uh God, I knew it was Margaret. So um but uh yeah, so the woman who played Miss Danvers, Judith Anderson, and she was most known for being in the movie Laura. Um she was in Star Trek Three, The Wrath of Khan, uh Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Um she'd been in a bunch of stuff. I mean, she's got 58 acting cat. credits. She was in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof? Mm -hmm. She was in the Ten Commandments. Oops. No, wow. I'm sure it was a smaller role. Yeah, that's, she had a smaller I role, but she was in it. Um, I mean, this woman was thing. in stuff, you know? Yeah, well, anyway, she great part. And oh, she's very wonderful. Scary, scary persona. Uh, and the young girl, Miss, the second Mrs. DeWinter, was terrified of her. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and then and so Mrs. Danvers uh, loved to torment her. Well, I think a like she could smell and she could see that this woman is terrified of her, so she knew that. So it made it easier for her to continue to be terrifying to her. Um, yeah. and and on top of that, she was probably terrible terrible to her because she just didn't like she didn't respect her because she didn't feel like she earned to become the next Mrs. DeWinter. Right. Uh, she did not have any feelings for Max or anything. Yeah. Like she had feelings for Rebecca, and as you said, there might have yeah. been some kind of thing uh, between her. I and actually Rebecca. read that. Yeah, there was a maybe a love affair between them. There might have been, uh, but um, uh, I don't know if it was explored in the book um, or not. But. Yeah, well, that was the theory. But she said, "You're you're never going to measure up." To Rebecca, mm-hmm. you, you just can't do it. She's too powerful, too strong, and so yeah. she wants to intimidate her. And actually, she wants to kill her. Basically, mm-hmm. near the end of the movie, but we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, but uh, so she definitely adored. They used the word adored uh, Rebecca, but yes. I think it was even more than that. There was but, more, uh, probably, but. We don't know. That's not ever really stated. So, no, they didn't dare do that. Yeah, they can. Um, Um, Now, if they were to make it today again, because I think they did just make it. There's another uh, remake of it recently. Um, uh, Oh, yeah, but I don't know if it was any good. Yeah, so it's Uh, on Netflix. It's. it's got Lily James and Army Hammer and Mrs. Danvers yeah. is played by Kristen Scott Thomas. Uh, uh, I guess. All right. I can see that. She's kind of an older woman uh, that, that could probably do that. But I don't know. I would. Oh, it's 2020 that this came been made. I think uh, there's a couple. I think like Judy Dench should have played. uh Miss Danvers, I don't know. I think she would have, been, or at least the, maybe even the, um, uh, Mrs. Van Hopper or something, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, let's see. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, so she's very stern. She's very scared, you know, intimidating to, uh, to poor the second Mr. Winter, poor Joan uh, Fontaine. And uh, so she is, um, you know, already she's like, once again, she feels out of her element. She does not want to be there, you know, already. And I kind of feel like it, it really was too early for him to come back to Mandalay, you know, with a new person, you know, in his life. But I guess he's going to have to come home sometime right yeah well yeah he was tormented by her memory i think it was a basically a love hate because i i I heard enough comments to think that he didn't he totally hated her at the end you know because she made a fool out of him but uh he there was some love at the beginning and he just love at the beginning and then it just sort of kind of fizzled out you know and then when you know that well, she cheated on him with her cousin 
She cheated mm-hmm. on him in front of him, you know, yeah. and, and mocked him because he didn't do anything about it. And it makes it even worse when somebody's doing stuff in front of you rather than just behind your back and right. then dares you to try to do anything about it. You want to yeah. kill him. Yeah. You know, because she knew if he tried to get a divorce, they'd laugh him out of the county, you know, and the, the gossip would ruin him. So anyway, that's somebody made a statement about gossip. Remember that? And he goes, gossip. You know, he flew into a rage because it reminded yeah. him of all the gossip about yeah. how he was impotent and he couldn't control his woman and all of this stuff. But all these people would say certain things and it would trigger him into these rages. Mm. And it, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I didn't quite get it the first time, the second time it, it really hit home. Um, so. So one anyway. of my, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, um, because it's so subtle, but so fantastic. Is that scene in the, like the dining room where they're eating dinner and you see that long table and you see, them and you sort of see the difference like of how uh you know they're there eating this meal and uh you know John Fontaine is on one on the one end and then he's on the other end of the table and you can just see like he's high class she's lower class you know and she's just feels sort of out of place you know there and everything and it's just so wonderful like the way they shot it and tracked and you know did like basically a crane shot you know following the table which i don't really see that much like i don't know if i've ever seen that in a film other than that movie other than rebecca a long table no no no. just the the way they shot it where you see the long table and you see both their expressions and it's just it pulls back. Like if you relook at it, it's a really beautifully shot oh, okay. scene in the when they're eating yeah, dinner I, you know, or whatever. You look you look for stuff like that because you're a director or producer, and I look for the actors. Yeah, uh, I, I mean I see thing. the acting too, but like yeah, if if but if yeah, there I, is a scene that just catches my eye like that, like that's right. you know, like I go, I, oh wow, that was really cool. Like I. Yeah, you know, well, I wouldn't have done that, but that would have been cool if I did do something like that, you know? No, I think that's really great that you can do that. I'm going to try to look for things like that myself. Occasionally, I do spot the angles and stuff and the, how they compose. Especially with things. Hitchcock. Hitchcock is very much known for that. Um, in fact, yeah. do you know what this movie inspired? It does what? Do you know what, mo- uh, do you know what movie this movie inspired? No. Citizen Kane. Um, if oh, you want, so Orson Welles was definitely a Hitchcock fan, and oh. in uh in Citizen Kane, and I was listening to this in the commentary. Um, if in Hitch in in that movie, uh, there's a lot of there's a couple similarities to it, and especially like the ending with the fire and everything. That was like the ending to um Citizen Kane, you know, with the fire oh. and all that stuff, and there's just there's so many things that like influenced uh, him on it, but because Rebecca is such a well done, well made movie, and it's the only, it did not win uh, best director, but it did win best picture, 
you know yeah. and uh it didn't win best actress for joan she was nominated but she won the next year for suspicion which is really interesting because okay. i think her character in this was much better than her character in that but it was because of hitchcock who told her he wanted her to basically be a um uh to he was going to help her become a better actress you know and he did and then the next movie she wanted him to do basically the same stuff and he said you don't need me anymore you you're you're doing just fine you know and she won the oscar that time there you go you know he helped her win an, an oscar you know um and sadly he never won one for best director i mean you know um, he never did no it's sad he won yeah, he's he helped movies win best picture but he never won a best director you know um i think hey, nowadays best... you know like uh leonardo caprio won best actor for the revenant which maybe he deserved maybe he didn't but there was a lot of talk about the fact that he had not won a best uh, best actor award yet and so when he won the best actor for it, a lot of people thought they just they just gave it to him because he hadn't won won one yet. And that might not be fair to say because I've heard the Revenant is really good I, I, and, and he deserves I it. About it. But you know, I think a lot of times now, because the internet and stuff, and we're able to like look at that and go, Oh my goodness, nobody's won the best Oscar, or this person hasn't won best actor yet let's you know let's have him win this year you know because he's put in so much work it's, throughout the years uh, it's a popularity contest it but, is uh, and you know this, hitchcock was sort of popular sort of not you know right he was a little so standoffish mm -hmm. this was billed as the most glamorous movie ever made do you know that i At wouldn't be time. i'm not surprised because like that this movie is oh, beautiful beautifully shot it's basically black and white right yeah it's black and white there's that um, i didn't even notice that i didn't even think about that at the time right because That's it was so well done that the black and white didn't matter you know like yeah. it could be color it could be black and white it doesn't matter um yeah. i love watching black and white movies uh speaking of criterion i watched um heaven can wait i don't know if you've ever seen that movie but um when i was watching it heaven can wait yeah, heaven can the original heaven can wait, not the, uh, not the war, not the Warren Beatty oh. one, the original. Oh, um, the original. Yeah, the Ernest Ernst Lubitsch movie. I actually did something. I I did a student film where I played him, uh, the the guy in that. In the, heaven in the original or in the remake? It was a short film. It was just a like scene study, but I I did it. It was one of my first things I did in Hollywood. Student well, film about having to wait. I'll well, in the first, that. in the first movie, I really loved it, and I loved what I love. What I love about black and white films is there's just something about them that just make me feel safe and secure, and especially if the movies are funny, you know. Um, yeah. In this, this it gives me a little anxiety because it's a suspense. So there's suspenseful scenes and other things, but. Um, you know, uh, heaven can wait. I was just laying in bed. Just, I just, I don't know. I, I had this like overwhelming feeling of like happiness, you know, 
and everything. And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't think I've, 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 you know, I've ever realized how much I felt this way about like these kind of comedies and stuff. And so I, I love like going out and buying like screwball comedies and those kind of things now because it's just so much fun. You're going to love that thing I sent you. To, oh, to watch the one it, you did? Yeah, yeah, somebody else just commented on it. He wanted me to do a comedy. And I said, well, that's my roots in comedy. And so I, I guess he'd never seen me in a comedy. And then I sent him this little thing I just sent to you. He says, that was hilarious. I got it. I had no idea you were so good in comedy. I said, that's all improv. Because mm -hmm. I excel in improv. You gotta, You but, should send him next. You should send him the governor character thing. Because yeah. that, that stuff was funny. And improv. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I just absolutely love comedies. And I love uh, black and white films and stuff. And there's just something about black and white films that just make me feel good. And uh, this movie just made me feel good. You know, when I was watching it, I don't know. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, and I never really think about the black and white, even though the photography is just amazing. The cliff and the um, the sea. And he did the same thing sort of for like Jamaica Inn. Remember where like you see a lot of the, the waves crashing and stuff. And I just love that. Like, I love seeing waves crashing and. You know, I, I want to one day videotape that or to record it so I can put it in one of my movies because I just absolutely love that stuff. Like, I think it's great, you know. Make sure when you come out here, you record the waves. Yeah, I'll have to. Um, And so, yeah, I, I absolutely love that. So um, to go back to the oh, story, I guess. Speaking of comedies, you were talking about how frustrated she was and she overwhelmed by the house. Mm -hmm. And she goes into the morning room, the office of the first Mrs. DeWinter, Rebecca's morning room, and she answers the phone. And somebody says, uh, may I speak to Mrs. DeWinter? And he says, <clears throat> oh, you made a mistake. Uh, Mrs. DeWinter's been dead for over a year. And then she hangs up. And then she realizes, oh, Oops. I'm Mrs. DeWinter. Yep. And <laughs> the Miss Danvers gets mad at her because, you know, that was probably the gardener asking yeah, exactly. you know for his uh his his routine. And and so she once again fish out of water. She doesn't know what she's fucking doing. You know, she has to send letters to people. I don't even know what she was doing. What she, she was didn't supposed know to any do. of those people. I know. What's she, she gonna write? Come on over. Like, no, what, even much. then, what, like, why, like, you know, why does she have to write these things? Like, I don't get it. But that's something, I guess, that, like, that, you know, they do in the morning. Every, everybody does in the morning when they, uh, well, you know. If they're rich, they have nothing else to do. So I they guess, just make yeah. work for them. So they pretend to be working, you know. It's, oh, well, I must write this letter, and that's all I'm going to do today. But got to get it done. You know, it's right. just, thank God. That's <laughs> um, so funny. Um, so, yeah, she has to write these letters to these random people or whatever. And then she accidentally knocks over a, um, uh, I guess I, it was it was some kind of statue thing, you know, like a, um, uh, it was, it, I forgot what it was called. The people, 
um, asked about her or whatever. Um, but she breaks it and it, into a bunch of pieces, and then she puts oh, them yeah. in a drawer. Exactly. Um, what well, was that it? comes back to haunt her later. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I didn't. I thought to myself, is this gonna uh, have something to do with something else later in the film? And sure enough, because sure Mr. Danby accuses Robert the Butler of stealing it. And right, so, because it was gone, because it was it was no longer, and so she got the lady, um, Miss Danvers was sort of mad that it was gone because that that was a that was one of, uh, Rebecca's things. That was that was one of the things that, and yeah. all the stuff in that room was all of Rebecca's stuff. Um, to 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 fast forward for later or whatever. At one point, she tells Miss Danvers to get rid of everything. Well, that's a very good point because yeah. that was a turning point in the film. Mm-hmm. That's when they it came to blows practically. Uh, I mean, metaphorically. But uh, she stands up to Mrs. Danvers. She says, "I'm Mrs. De Winter now." Remember that? It's like mm-hmm. whoa, because she, uh, Mrs. Danvers said, "Oh, you can't do that. You can't get rid of all her stuff." She says, "Well, I'm the new Mrs. Danvers." Our missus, uh, the winner. So get rid of it. And right. so she finally got in her high horse, you know, and stood up to her. Right. So I, but that's so funny because those two scenes are sort of different where she calls, she gets the phone call and she's like, um, she's like, oh, Mrs. DeWinter's been dead for over a year, hangs up and goes, oh my God, I am Mrs. DeWinter. Then yeah. later, when she says, "I want right. all of these things," and it's like, "Oh, that was Mrs. De Winter's things." It's like, "I am Mrs. De Winter." Now. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So she like, had to go real quick in that you know, room, her same husband, room. Her yeah. husband was ta- taunting her too. He says, "You act like the upstairs maid." You exactly. Know? Yeah, you don't act like the mistress of the house. Mistress of the house, and I thought, "Wow, that's a great line." Because. Yeah, you know, he was uh, a little too abusive, I think. Uh, he he was, has to give but, her time to acclimate. He, but I think he's not used to people like her. You know, he's used to people who already fit into that society right. and already know what to do and what to say and everything. But, so he's trying to teach her to do that, but he's not very... Kind of a paradox, though. Because if if she were to change, he wouldn't like her as much. He right. likes the fact that she's kind of a country girl, shy, kind of you know wallflower type of thing, and uh, and very nice. He likes nice, and yeah. every time he makes her cry by being cruel, it softens him. Doesn't and he have he, a line where he says something like that? Where cry. um. Uh, he says some line where uh, he said like, if you were like that, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have wanted you anyway, or something. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's he's confused. Um, he likes her, but at the same time, he wants her to get a little hard. Um, uh, you know, toughen up. Exactly. So she said, "I wish I were a woman of thirty six, dressed in black satin, a string of pearls." And he goes, you wouldn't be here yeah. with me if you were. And so, exactly. yeah. So once again, it's, it goes back to that idea that, yeah, he he wants her to sort of become that person in a way. 
but then once he does that, like, you know, I almost see. But he doesn't become... want all the trappings. He doesn't want her to become like Rebecca, which is, you know, an nympho and all of that. But he, he, he does want her to become more stately, perhaps, uh, and fill out the role of the this, mistress of the house. But this would still, make a great TV you know, show. Become... You know? Yeah. Well, you know, when she first met uh, his sister, B, uh, they were taking bets about B wouldn't like her. Because yep. she's just the opposite of what she is. But she did. She oh, took she her under her wing. She was kind of protective. Yeah, um, so she won her over by being a regular person. Yeah. She doesn't have any pretensions. <laughs> and you can tell if somebody's pretending to be a certain way or not. Or She was real. And the best part about that is the fact that you're right. He said that uh he he said to her if she doesn't like you she's probably going to tell it to right to your face right exactly. so i'm like yeah i'm waiting for this to happen you know and the yeah minute right. you meet b she's just well, like she she's all of a yeah, sudden she, this really sweet person to her like she likes her a lot she kind of did at first but she she didn't lay it on too heavy but you know she's oh no you you must do this i'm not gonna but then she just decided, you know, you're just fine the way you are. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I, she... Well, I guess she's she her her motherly instinct took over. She says, you know, I'm going to show you some tips, and you know, we'll go shopping. You know, you know, I'll help you because she knew she was way out of her depth. Mm. And uh, and then then uh, the second wife starts reading beauty magazine for smart women. Do you remember that? I don't actually. And she reads it and dresses just like the first Mrs. DeWinter. Well, she did that. Remember when, they... when oh my that God. woman remember uh Miss Danvers uh at one point. So we're actually I guess we're ahead of ourselves, but um... No 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 no. I don't mean that one. She comes in with her black dress with the flowers on it. Oh, and he right. goes, Where in the hell did you get that? Right. You know, take it off right now. Well, he so didn't say said, that, but he said he kind of laughed at her, and then he realized he was he was being sort of mean. He wasn't meaning to be mean. Well, he but wasn't he was overly of... stern like the second time. Yeah, but, uh, uh, he was uncomfortable yeah. about it. Uh, and then she said, "You know what? I'm uncomfortable. People treat me like prize cow. They're always mm -hmm. comparing me to the first Mrs. DeWinter, and I don't like it." You know, and it, so that that she's she's got a, a hard situation to overcome. Well, it's it's second wife syndrome. It's it's no matter yeah, what, I if you're so. if you're if you if it's your first husband and her his second wife, there's gonna be that um sort of you know well, thing where there's leftover you know residual. You know, well, either love or hate or whatever for the other people woman. People are judgmental, basically. They always do. Uh, you, everybody says, "Oh no, no, I'm not like that." But we all do. We judge yeah. people quietly in our mind. We don't say it out loud, but we're always thinking. Sometimes we say it out loud. You know who is. Anyway, but okay. So, um, she's always apologetic. You know, mm -hmm. a little bit too much, I think. But 
You know, that's just the way she is. She's afraid of that's everybody. That's her personality. Afraid she's... of Max. Afraid of. Uh, he thinks she behaves like a schoolgirl, mm-hmm. and hit Max's moods become darker, and he snaps more often. And then he says, "Are we really happy? You know, what do you think?" And and she said, "Well, what do you think? Are we?" And he says, "Well, if you think we're happy, let's just pretend that we are." Well, basically, and the next he day says... he writes her a note. Something like that, right? Well, he said he said and, um, he never he he like he feels like he's he he will never understand happiness or something. He can never understand. He can never right. be well, happy. Well, he does smooth it over by saying that he yeah he say he doesn't understand happiness, but so he's aware of his dark moods and he's not so easy to get along with. Next day he he leaves. And he says, You're, I'm going to give you a holiday from myself. Remember that? In the note, mm-hmm. he sends a note to her. So, so he, he's kind of, you know, uh, criticizing himself in kind of in a sarcastic way. But um, so he realizes that he's no uh, perfect person either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to give you a brief holiday from me, which is most welcome. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wrote that down. Um, so, uh, and then as, as she's he's away, she starts exploring the house. That's what I was going to get to. Seen... I was going to get to that next, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. She says a woman in the West Wing. And I think it's Mrs. Danvers, but, you know, right. says, that's where the ghost, uh, ghostly appearance happens. We forgot and, to and... mention earlier, too, uh, there was that scene outside where those two that the uh mr and mrs de winter the you know the new mrs de winter and and uh max are walking with the dog outside and uh the dog oh, yeah, oh, no, yeah. they, well, the dog escape or runs off into that one right, area right, right. and she chases after him and max tells him tells her don't go don't go you know leave the dog alone leave him you know right and she she wants to help the dog, you know. She's very sweet, and she sees the house and as it, or whatever this like this little side house, guest house ish thing, and a, oh, a man house. comes out, a boathouse, yeah, boathouse, and a the man ben, comes the out. Ben character, yeah, ben. ben. Oh man, I love Ben. Ben was call me Ben. Yeah, yeah, I snapped the picture of him when I was watching the movie. That's a great look he has. Kind of the bug guys and the goofy look. <laughs> and he uh bless you. Um and he said, uh, what is it? He comes up there and says, um, uh, you know, oh, oh, I wasn't doing anything here, you know, don't tell anybody, you know, uh whatever, right? And it's like, are you... she's never coming back, is she? You know, right? And uh, and he's talking about Rebecca, you know, and uh, and we find out later a little bit more about that. But like uh, he was he was worried about Rebecca, like, you know, whether or not he was he wasn't really supposed to be there, but he he had some thing he was doing in there. But um, so I wanted to bring that up because I, I totally forgot about that. But um, then now we can get back to the exploring. No, no, that. I, I, I needed to say something. Um, the place the place is full of Rebecca's stuff because mm-hmm. uh, 
her husband took everything and just threw it in there into the boathouse, yeah. Trying to forget about her. And it's just full of her stuff. And he he said, Did you go in there? Well, yeah, I that I never go back. Oh God, he just rants and raves and is like you know, you're never to go back in there again. And um so he was very upset about that and uh just he just explodes. Uh, so anyway, she that's kind of a clue as to something was amiss, you know, to have that situation, right? You know, where a place you're not supposed to go, and so that was like the boathouse where she used, used to have an affair with her cousin. Mm-hmm. And Ben looked in the window and saw him, and they told right. him they're going to put him in a nut house if he says anything. So that's why they call him Balmy Ben. And he always says, I don't want to go to the asylum. I don't want to go to the asylum. I don't want to go to the asylum. Yeah, exactly. So So we find out more about that. We find out more about that afterwards. Um, But yeah, so she's exploring the house and she sees something. She sees some woman. And so she kind of, and that's where sort of the ghost stuff, you know, is supposed to seem like. Like this could, this could go to a ghost story line but it doesn't yeah. it doesn't uh go that no way. it's just kind of a sneak peek kind of a, a little uh, uh flirtation with it but it doesn't really develop in anything mm-hmm. and then she uh she's surprised she's in the in the bedroom right looking around in rebecca's bedroom and uh mrs danvers shows up and it's like Oh, do you enjoy this place? And let me show you some of her clothes. And she rubs the mink stole on her cheek. And I'm thinking, oh, what do we got here? But she's kind of rubbing it in like she had all of it. And the way she backed into the closet, very possessive, like like an animal, like she was mm-hmm. hugging it from behind and said, you want to see some of her things? And she said, oh, my God, your her eyes are wild. And she says, and this is where she brushed or I brushed her hair and, and all of this. And, oh, my God. And then she was just rubbing it in there. And, and you'll never be like her. You'll, you'll never be the woman she is. Um, and so that that, uh, anyway, it's, it, it, it carried over into uh, the night of the uh, costume ball. Where she asked her husband, "Can we have a costume ball?" Because she found uh, a reference to it, a note from the cousin, and right. and then she asked. He said, "Why don't you ask Mrs. Danvers? She'll she'll help you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she takes her on a tour of the art gallery of all the famous people in the family, the De Winters, and the one she picked was the one she shouldn't have worn. Right, so, because that was actually. Uh, Rebecca's uh, stuff. I guess that was supposed to be Rebecca's picture. Right. Uh, but she said that yeah, that was that like was his last, favorite uh, aunt or something, you know? Or... Well, that wasn't a picture, but that was uh, somebody uh, from the family that Rebecca dressed up like the year before, exactly oh. a year before. And so Mrs. Danvers deliberately wear that because there was some big... Uh, embarrassing moment at the party and uh so it reminded him of that all over again so poor guys he's constantly being embarrassed by 
either and his that, young bride or somebody else. It's so messed up that, that, this, um, that Miss Danvers does this because, like, this woman doesn't deserve any of this treatment, you know. Exactly. She, I mean, she wasn't, she didn't even, like, this wasn't her plan, you know. Like, her plan, like, it would be different if her, she was, like, some kind of gold digger who the whole time she, like, knew this guy was rich, so she wanted to do that, and then she was this, you know, but she, instead she was just this really sweet young girl who um, met this charming man who decided that he was going to make her his wife, and um, and then, you know, it, like, she, she, didn't, she didn't deserve to be treated the way she was, but when she gets when she sort of has that confrontation with uh with the woman with uh, Miss Danvers, things change after that. Like you, know, I I sort of feel like she put the gloves down after that. You know, he she or she put the gloves on maybe even. You know, she's ready to fight. You know, yeah, because she wanted back to, and forth, yeah, yeah, and then Up and so, down. she well, even fought, what well that. It, not until uh, she got embarrassed by her husband yelling at her at the party mm-hmm. and uh, saying, go in there and take that damn thing off. And then right. she runs over and says, why did you set me up? Why do you hate me so to Mrs. Danvers? And Mrs. Danvers turns around and said, I had you dress the same as the late Mrs. DeWinter. I hate you because you tried to take her place. And you never will. Mm. You're not strong enough. And so she resents her for even being there. It doesn't matter that she's, you know, a nice person. She even tells her to, like, basically leave the house. You know, you're not wanted here, you know, and everything. Why don't you leave and stuff like that? Well, it gets even worse. Remember when they're leaning out the window and she kept saying, you know, Oh, uh, why don't you, you know, they lean over and I just, she never says, why don't you jump? It's just, why don't you? You're not wanted here. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't belong here. Why don't right. you? It would be so easy. And mm-hmm. it's like, exactly. I can't find it. Like, I wrote it down, but I can't find it. But uh, he doesn't love you. He wants to be alone with his memories of her. It's like, oh, my exactly. God. I was like. When we oh, find out, yeah. he really doesn't. You know, she yeah, might, but he doesn't. She said, you've nothing to live for. Look down there. Why don't you go on? Right? She's almost pushing her out the window. She doesn't mm-hmm. quite. And then the only thing that stops her is the fireworks disrupt their, their compulsion. Uh, I, I think she's going to actually jump. And, she was uh, going to, and then the fireworks and, distracted her. Yeah, whatever. There's a ship that ran aground or something. Or no, it hit hit the sailboat that the first Mrs. Winters was on. It snagged it. And that's when they found the body in the mm-hmm. sailboat, the real Mrs. Winter. Because he'd always lied and said there was somebody else. And Yeah. He, had, so anyway, he, he uh, said he identified the body, but it really wasn't. She knew it wasn't woman. her. Because yeah, he was the one who did it. Um, which we find out later more more on that. Um, so yeah, so they all go and she sees him leaving 
And she starts saying, hey, you know, come back, come back, you know, right? And um, right. uh, they she finds out that they left because of that stuff. And um, he has a big talk with her, you know, about what happened, you know, um, that it was not, it was all an accident. But if oh, wait, somebody wait. was... He goes, she looks for him. She can't find him. And she goes to the boathouse and he's in there. He's in a daze. Right. And she says, oh, are you still mad at me for the other night? And he says, what are you talking about? So he forgets stuff. Right. Yeah. He says, oh, well, I'm, I'm over that. <laughs> I think I'm over that. I'm like, yeah, Jesus Christ, man. She's not over it. <laughs> yeah, you treat somebody so, badly. Like that that's very like narcissistic, you know, behavior. And then before he tells her the truth, she yells at him, or she doesn't yell at him. She's crying. She says, You don't have to love me. I'll be your companion. And I'm like, oh my God, that really hits because I have a psychological background. And I'm thinking that's the type of person who always wants to be the companion because they don't feel worthy enough to be loved for themselves. Mm, they want to yeah. be your companion. I'll never be your equal, but I want to be your companion. And that's that's a perfect job for someone like that. You know, yeah, uh, you're married, you're, you're rich, and uh, all you have to do is just be there for somebody. You don't have to feel yeah, loved. Go away if you want, but you know I I can be your companion. It's and like, he doesn't oh, want her to go. Like he he really does adore pathetic. her. It's pathetic for to to feel that way about yourself. It's so sad. And then he says, "No, it's too late. We lost our little chance at happiness." And uh, Rebecca has won. Her shadow here is between us, keeping us from one another. And then he confesses that the body found in the sailboat is his dead wife. Oh, my God. And he put it there. And, the and uh, he also he confesses died. that he he found another woman uh, and made it look like she was the... Uh... Well, he, he was called to identify the other woman that washed up on the beach. And he, and he said, yeah, that's my wife. So he lied at the uh, autopsy or whatever. And right. so he used her because he didn't want anybody to know that he didn't kill his wife. But well, well, we'll it, was get an accident. That. it was an accident, which he explains. But that scene where he explains everything, um, somebody pointed this out on a on a video. Uh, by the way, if anybody wants to buy the Criterion version of this film, because you'll get like two discs and one of them has the movie. And I don't, I don't know if both of them have the movie or not. I don't think both of them have the movie um, themselves, but uh, but the the first disc had the movie and commentary and stuff, and uh, the second I think has a bunch of bonus features, and that's the great thing about it is there's a lot of bonus features on this film. There's a lot of information about it, and one of the things they said was like the scene where he's explaining what had happened. You don't see a flashback of those scenes uh, because uh, Hitchcock basically would have to find somebody who matched exactly what uh you know what what everybody's been saying about that person and then it would smash the delusion of this sort of perfect person you know because you would you would yeah. cast somebody in that role right as rebecca but all of a sudden you would see them 
And maybe you might like be like, oh, really? They picked that person as Rebecca, you know, not not this other person or or you might even have the perfect person, but it's not exactly who you had in mind in your head. And I think he wanted everybody to sort of, you know, kind of wonder what Rebecca really looked like, you know, like, was she this dashingly beautiful woman? Was she not as, you know, like, what was she like, you know? Well, I um, think he was, now he wanted to have a safety net here. She seemed like the type that wouldn't cheat on him. So he wanted a wife that was loyal and, you know, faithful. Yeah. And wasn't exactly. patting around but like the other one. He had you enough see, of that. Instead so, of a flashback scene or so, instead but, you see like them pan through the uh through the thing and while he's telling the story, and it's almost as if her spirit is there listening to him talk. Yeah. And it's really and I never thought of it that way. I just I in fact, I don't even know why I, I never, I just didn't, but it is like, if you watch it again and you think of it that way, you'll see it and you'll be like, oh my God, it, it's as if the, you know, if Rebecca's there in that room with them and it's wow. really kind of eerie the more you like look at that because then you're like, oh my God, he's telling the story about Rebecca and she's there listening, you know, um, and uh, it's kind of an eerie yeah. It's thought. a fascinating yeah. uh, psychological study. Um, well, she she thought that uh, he was uh, in love with his first wife more than she. And he says, no, that's totally opposite. I hated her. Like, what? Well, that was a big, big, big reveal twist. there. Uh, uh-huh. Jane thought that he loved Rebecca more and um, so everybody was comparing the two of them constantly. She was sick of it. And he said, no, 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 I hated her. I was, he was obsessed with her, not out of love, but loathing. And mm. she had it all, breeding, brains, beauty. And he was enchanted, but he was never happy. Because right. it was a sham, the whole damn thing. Mm. You know, she was screwing everybody but him. And then they pretended to be the happy couple because he didn't want people to think that he was uh, a jig, uh, not a gigolo, a cuckold. What they call a cuckold that his wife's cheating on him, and it, it'd be. And he's just allowing it to happen. He's not doing anything about it. Uh, the family legacy, uh, the dynasty. You know, the honor of the family came first. So, so she was making use of that, and she just kept rubbing it in. And uh, oh my God! And so he said that she she's told him she was pregnant mm-hmm. by her cousin's uh, baby, and uh, she dared him to do anything about it. And at the time, nobody knew why. And right. uh, so he said he did strike her, but he didn't kill her. Now, yeah, she fell backwards or something, you know. Yeah, and she came forward again and tripped and and fell and hit her head on one of those. Uh, the tackles, uh-huh. the, the iron tackles. And so she died and he carried her to the boat and then sailed it out, put holes in it, uh, opened up the, uh, the, the, whatever they're called, cock, cock, uh, cockpit, not cockpit. Coxes, um... Yes. Coxons, coxons. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he, he sunk the boat and then rode back on the dinghy. And uh, so he thought that was the end of that. 
But uh, so he said after four days of marriage, uh, she confessed to being a slut. And a dirty bargain with him was a sham marriage concealing her nymphomania. She had sex with many lovers, even women like Mrs. Danvers. And she flirted with his loyal assistant, Frank Crawley. Uh, I think she was unsuccessful at that. It was just an. Well, I think so too because Frank, uh, Frank was really loyal to um, yeah, uh, right. to him. And um, in fact, there's a great, great part with like you know uh, later with the I think the colonel or whatever the um, uh, the inspector guy that's there and everything. Oh, he sort of colonel looks, yeah, colonel he Judah. looks at um. Uh, he looks at uh Frank and he says, uh, "Frank, you're a good friend, you know, and everything to to yeah. to him." He was, and I thought that yeah. was wonderful because he really was like he was from the very minute you meet Crowley, who's this wonderful uh character. Um, he's just very sweet to uh to the to the uh to Max. You know, he's just his best friend. You know, and he cares. Yeah, about he's a him. true, true friend because he doesn't take advantage of the wife. He doesn't take advantage of the wife. He doesn't take advantage of anything. And I would have see this is this is why we need a TV series for this. You know, there's so much more to explore, especially flashback scenes of what Rebecca was really like. I would love to see that. Like, I would love to see a you know a story with with more. Re- with more Rebecca, if it's going to be called Rebecca, it should yeah. have Rebecca in yeah. it, you know. She was never seen. Mm. And, well, they ask, oh, I think uh, early on, the second Mrs. DeWinter asked uh, Frank, is it Frank Crawley? Crawley, yeah, I uh, think so, yeah. His assistant, he says, what was she like, Frank? Please tell me. He was. He took a while, and he said, she was the most beautiful creature I've ever seen. And I think he maybe had some regrets that he didn't take advantage of by him yeah, saying that. I think, um, like, but I anyway, think he but, was, yeah, I, I don't think he did, but I think he still probably did find her attractive and stuff, you know. But, but he uh, he could have said anything, but that, that just talks about her beauty. Right. Well, was she intellectual? Was she witty? Was she adventurous? Not other people said that. She wasn't afraid of anything. Nope. That's what Colonel Julian said. They asked her, was she capable of suicide? He said, no. No, she was not afraid of anything. Mm. And uh, so she, would, she wouldn't have done that. But, but at the end, it makes it look like she did anyway. And you can get into that if you want to. Yeah, um, um, we'll, it, we'll get into that later. Um, so, yeah, so he has that discussion with her and she sticks with him. You know, like she sticks by his side. She pretty much tells him she's going to be she's there for him, you know, and everything. And I think that's like so sweet and romantic. Like she she even though she's heard he's accidentally murdered his wife, um, she believes him 100 percent. You know, she's well, delicate, uh, but she she said even more so as when she first thinks he killed her, she's still with him. And yeah. when he explains that, no, I didn't really kill her. That, well, see, I mean, you're innocent. But, I mean, he probably is guilty of 
you know, hiding the body and all of that. Yeah, well, he would definitely not want people to know that, like, he had something to do with that, you know, or whatever. Um, Right, so, I mean, that's kind of illegal to do that. You're supposed to bury people in a cemetery. And you're but, you're uh, supposed to you're supposed to tell like the police what happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not supposed to just leave the body there and stuff, no. and then just and claim that the person who washed well, up was your dead wife. That's another, you know? that's another reason he doesn't want to go back to that boathouse because that's where she died. Uh-huh. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, bad memories in that little right. cottage. Um, but uh, so and then, so, yep. Oh, uh, the the phone rings. This dusty old phone in the middle of a dusty old cottage that you you, you assume never worked. It starts ringing. I'm like, I almost jumped out of my chair because you know I got PTSD and I startled easily. I'm like, what the hell is the phone ringing for? It it because you think it's it's been there forever and it doesn't work. And it's his assistant Frank. He says you got to come right away. Uh, Colonel uh, Julian wants you down at the station to, to you know, we, we, we're, there's going to be an inquest or whatever. And so he says, okay, I'm I'm ready for it. So then so that, that whole, there, yeah. that's the whole part of the movie. You know, it's already two hours. You've got another 20 minutes. But just so the 10 minutes. And, it was 10 minutes. And, but anyway, yeah, it was close to two hours. And then we got the last act, which is all about, uh he, he has to he has to talk to the the police and the police are uh questioning a couple people already um including yeah. poor ben who just doesn't understand like you know like all he knows is he's seen too much and he you know he doesn't want to say anything about anybody and he, he keeps saying, "Oh, I I don't want to go to the asylum." And then finally, they're like, "Just get out of here, get him, get him out of here." Like he can't, right? You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna be any help. Um, and then uh, there's this other there's other people, but then uh, Max has to come in and and talk, and and he gets very frazzled easily, you know, with the whole thing because he's. Sort well, of, they, he's sort of yeah. guilty. Well, I mean, he does have a temper, and if she's afraid, his wife's afraid that he's going to snap, which he does, but she faints, luckily, right during his uh, rampage, and then they don't, they don't presume. They I don't didn't, I do didn't any. like that scene um, because it happened too fast, and it yeah. felt really weird. Um, I know, I know. I don't know if this is just because this is this like almost feels like well, a play. I think she know? staged it. So it with that in mind, I was okay with it. She she tried to stop the situation by so fainting. She, by fainting and then he ran. Yeah, to she her didn't really faint. Quickly. I don't think she did. She she's uh, just acted, you know, yeah. like she did, just to stop it because she had to do something. Because he would have been gone to prison. Yeah. Uh, had he, you know, gone to they, they were starting. He was coming unglued. Yeah. Uh, so then they 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 kind of adjourn for now, you know, or whatnot. And um, that's when uh the cousin uh tries to blackmail um them right. into like well they he go knows out to the information. Station, they, go, 
they go out to the car. They're eating lunch that the butler packed for him. And he leans in the window and he, and he's, I don't know what it was, what he said, but something like, Oh, hello there. You know how he was very charming, but he's an asshole. He's a mm. charming asshole. So he, Oh, you're having lunch, are you? Oh, how merry, how lovely. And he jumps in, grabs a chicken leg out of the basket and eats it. I would have popped him in the mouth. And then after that, he takes a little drink out of their whiskey and just like makes himself at home. Yeah, he makes himself at home and they're in. Already, uh, Max hates this guy. He had told, he had told like that he would shoot the guy if he ever saw him again. Um, I, I don't know why he didn't hit him or something, push him out of the car, but I, he doesn't. He's passive aggressive. Uh, so. Maybe because he just didn't want to seem like there was, you know, like because they were right outside the police station, you know. Yeah, kind of thing. he didn't so, want to but... look like, you know, there was something going on here. He had to play. He had to 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 play it cool, and while he's doing that, uh, this guy is being complete dick and and telling him, "Oh, I know this information that you know I can make go away, you know, if if you help me, blah blah blah," and uh, and so and the, it was the information about him doing the uh the the boards from the inside or whatever the the you no, know, know that yeah, but he, no, that wasn't in a letter. It was a letter saying, come very qu- come quick. I have something very important to tell you. It was too vague to have been any threat at all. Well, he had nothing to go it was, What it was was uh, a way to show motive for, or not motive. Um, it was but a motive. It could have gone was, either way. No, but it I, was I not. I don't agree with that. I, no, I, just, I, I, hold on. Let me explain. Let me explain. Okay, all right. So the reason for that, from what my understanding was, was that 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 letter was basically saying that she wouldn't, she wasn't going to commit suicide, oh, because she wanted, she had something very important to. Who would say I have something very important to tell you, and then go and kill themselves before they well, got to tell you the very important I have thing? The, I have the perfect answer for that. It's because he didn't show. And the, the important information was she had cancer, terminal cancer. And because he didn't show to, to help her talk her out of it, she went and committed suicide. That is the, the answer, but nobody knows that. Nobody knows that information except the doctor, you know, and they don't even. Right. So he says, you know. Um, no, that's true. That's true. We're way ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Then, so we? what but happens anyway, is, you know, he so, calls in the colonel. You know, and the guy says, oh, yeah, there's, you know, this guy's trying to blackmail me, you know, and and say right. he's got information. And so he's like, you know, I do have information. It's I've got this letter, you know, this letter says, you right. know, uh, I uh, that that, you know, um, come, you know, um, I, I'd like to see you or whatever. I have some information or, you know, that I need to tell you, you know, and stuff. Right. So he's like, oh, you know, how is somebody going to commit suicide? And they're like, well. You know, why would he, you know, Max kill? What would be the motive? So he says, oh, do you want, oh, of course you want motive. All right, uh, let's bring in Miss Danvers. So Miss Danvers comes in and he says, who's her doctor? You know, because that she was going to go, that she's been seeing, that my cousin's been seeing for a while, you know, or whatever. And he, she yeah. explains who the who the doctor is and where he is. 
So they say, all right, we'll go see this doctor and find out what the information is. So they go there to this, you know, to this place at, I guess it's at night, basically. They go at night to the doctor's uh, office and the doctor uh, is like, I don't have anybody by that name, <laughs> you know, and, you know, by Mr. Winter, you know, and yeah. she's he's like, well, can you show us, a, you know, uh, your log, you know, that you have for that time? And he shows a log uh, and there's a Miss Danverse in there, not <laughs> Mr. Winter. And what a coincidence. Well, it was weird. And so they said, describe Mrs. Danvers. And it is not described as the real Miss Danvers. It's described right. as this beautiful woman who, yeah. you know, um, well, was obviously using a fake name. I don't know choice. why. Yeah, she just borrowed her name. Well, I guess she so, was using it because she didn't It's a, it's want... a cover. Yeah, she was covering because uh, if any information and other things medically... Yeah. That people saw, you know, they could use against her, I guess, or something in some way. I yeah. don't know. I, I didn't completely understand why she would use the name, um, but uh, maybe just to confuse us at first. Um, but anyway, uh, so they said, yeah, well, she wasn't here. She thought she she thought she was pregnant or something, but really she had cancer. So she actually wasn't even pregnant, I don't think. What? I don't think oh, she was no, pregnant. Oh, no, she wasn't pregnant. She had cancer, right. Yeah, so but she wasn't actually pregnant, but she thought another... she was. Because, uh, I don't know, maybe there's some right. signs that... Well, she was know. puffy from the cancer, probably bloated from the cancer. You know yeah. how you puff out? So that's probably what happened. But And um... so she, she said she found out she had cancer. And so instead of... Uh, she, he said to her, like, it was something weird where, um, he's, he wanted to ask her about, um, what is it? Uh, or he he said, you have, you know, you have a few months left, you know? And she was like, oh, I've got less time than that. And that yeah, was something right. that he noticed her say, exactly. but didn't think anything of so, it at the time, you know? And right, so, so that gives it. Uh, motive for suicide right when it looked she, like foul play for a while right and so yeah. when that gave it sort of the thing for suicide um she he um uh you know then he was off the hook right because all of a sudden now it's now it's she's she's probably murdered herself you know like that's this is this is why why this happened because she had cancer, not because she was pregnant with your child, you fucking cousin, you know, <laughs> like gross ass cousin who's blackmailing everybody and causing all these problems. Like screw you, um, you know, kind of thing. Um, so the, uh, so they said no. He even asked they want some, you know, to stay for some like brandy or, or you know, thing or whatever to drink, and he's like. They're like, no, no, we'll 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 head out. Well, we've kind of troubled you enough. We'll we'll head out. Thank you so much. You know, right? And they leave. And my favorite like little bit is that the, the cousin is like, I feel like I need a drink right now. <laughs> sure. Because he just found You're out, well. all, you know. 
he's a uh, raging alcoholic anyway yeah, but uh probably so, um and then he tells off the cop you know it's like the cops are getting on him for parking illegally and he said don't you have something better to do i know that <laughs> was such fun. a weird scene to me like yeah i, I guess it, it just showed he was defeated at that moment yeah well you sure know? it's just place aggression he he's mad at the world because he didn't get his way so he's gonna he, tell yeah he's car. like a, he's having a temper tantrum um and he he drives off and then you know, uh the other guy the uh the winter and his buddy frank are chatting um and he he actually so i guess he's told frank that he murdered his that that he didn't he accidentally you know do that right because he actually said something to him after that and i was like you're saying this no he was saying something like i i really want to tell you something he says no you don't so he didn't want to hear it no matter what it was and he said well i i mean i really didn't kill her but i he said i i really don't want to hear this at all so he just said it's it's fine so whatever happened, happened. I'm still yeah. your friend. That sort of thing. You know, he just kind of shrugged it off. He didn't want to hear anything. He Well, you don't want to hear anything but, um, also because that implements him into a, something that he, he doesn't need to be in. Uh, that would be my my idea. Yeah. I wouldn't want to tell my friend that I did that because then now they know. And now if they're found out like, oh, you knew about this the whole time and you didn't tell the police, you know, you're now an accessory yeah. to murder, you know. I like the I like what happened between Colonel Julian and uh, Frank Flavel because he uh, didn't get his way about because he the Colonel was dismissing the fact that he said, well, we do have to investigate foul play because you have brought it up and insinuated that maybe there is some some motive for murder here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, oh, is it because. You're a friend of his, and you play golf together, and you, he takes you to dinner, and all of this. Is you've said just about enough, and so you know he's impl- implicating him, and you know like he's his friend, so he's going to just blow it all over. He's not going to actually pursue it, and yeah. uh, so they have this big uh, argument. I, thought I mean, I think that's really messed good. up to say to the police. You know, you shouldn't be. Yeah, you know, but, but trying to. He, he has a point, even though he's an asshole and he's blackmailing him, because sometimes that happens. You know. Yeah. When the, you know the politics. The, yeah, but, especially uh, if they're rich, they can usually pay off the cops and and you know all this. What stuff. What is really the most important I got out of this was the fact that. You know, things that seem like uh, you're being implicated for murder turn around and dismiss you mm-hmm. for another reason, like suicide. The same thing, the same evidence. It's like, except for the part that she wasn't pregnant and she had cancer. Right. So, well, so there's always she, uh, that. But she still wanted him to. She wanted him to kill her. That's what she was after. Nobody knew that except for, you know, Max. You know, so Max is the only one. When when it comes to when it comes to uh, convicting somebody of murder, you have to have evidence and you have to have like a witness 
And that's why he said, do you have a witness? Right. And she said, Miss Danvers is my witness. And the witness was the fact that she went to the, you know, she knew she would go to this doctor and stuff like that. So there was right. like, there was, because like, yes. And now that, that's what got me crazy is like, oh, I thought the witness was going to be Ben. I thought Ben had actually witnessed the murder happen you know and stuff oh. and and whatnot but then when she brought mrs danvers i was like did miss danvers like witness the murder and then she said the stuff about the doctor or whatever and i was like oh that's that's yeah. different that's not there's not a witness to a murder right. like in order yeah. at least nowadays i don't know how it really was in the 40s but in nowadays uh if you literally well, don't have somebody who literally saw what happened you know and everything there's no yeah, he did have he was witness to something that could have given the husband motive for murder because right. they're having can't be sex convicted he looked in the for window. murder without somebody witnessing the murder yeah. you know right. you need to that to substantiate the, the motive yeah, yeah you can you could probably oh. be arrested for it, which sucks because then your your life is thrown into this crazy thing but unless oh, there was actual proof that you didn't, you know, that you that you actually murdered this person. There's, you know, you can't you can't be convicted of something without actual like, you know, corroborating evidence, you know, and stuff, whatever. You know, you I know. just thought of, I just thought of something that the the fact that Rebecca took Danvers' last name as an assumed name, thinking maybe there was something to the lesbian yeah. affair. Yeah, she was Mrs. Danvers because Danvers played the man's role, probably. Yeah, she was um, very manly. Also, like, looking. Yeah, oh, strange. Dr. Baker, did you recognize him? Mm -mm. I mean, you're not as old as I am, so you might not. He was in a uh, TV situation uh, called Topper. He was an I've older man, uh, and he he was uh, he was living with two ghosts. They were the victims of an automobile accident. And it's I love that show. It was back in the 50s. Yes, we've talked about this before. I was trying to remember, but we he was in another, Strangers yeah, on a... He was on yeah, Strangers on a Train. And, um, yeah, and, Hitchcock and, and liked him. So he used him a lot. Spellbound. Yeah. Just yeah, small parts, but um, I forgot his real name. But His name's um, Leo G. Um, Carroll. Carroll, yeah. Leo G. Carroll, exactly. So mm -hmm. I, I've always enjoyed his roles and things, but uh, I, I was thinking, I know that person. It's like, oh, and then it hit me. Well, it's oh so God. funny because like well, you said, I think you said this in both Spellbound and in the uh, one for Strangers on a Train. You've noticed that guy, you know, each time. Yeah, You're like, oh, my exactly. God, Topper. You know, Topper. so, yeah. yeah. Uh, you even said, I think you said that uh, Cary Grant uh, replaced him as Topper and you know, something or whatever, like a movie. Right, or something. right, um, right, right. Um, um, so that's wonderful. I I maybe that was the movie version or something. But anyway, yeah, uh, so. a little, little trivia. Uh, Joan Fontaine uh, did six months of film tests before she got the role. And she went up against hundreds of other actresses. She still got the role. And uh, that's kind of interesting. So... Hmm. Oh, and also my wife and I were watching the movie and my wife said, 
Do you know where we where that boathouse is? It's right down here at White's Beach, right below our house. And I thought, you know what? You're right, because it sure looked like it. So maybe not all of it was filmed in England. Some of it was here in L.A. I don't know, but it sure looked like it. Um, and there's the ruins of a, a cottage down there on the beach that could fit the bill on that. Um, uh, by the way, yes, uh, he was in Topper. Um, Cary Grant was in the movie Topper. As yeah, a fun loving couple finding that they died and are now ghosts, decide to shake up the stuffy lifestyle of a friend of theirs. So, uh, yeah, so, that's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, anyway. Uh, that's wonderful. Like, I, I love that you're, you've, you found these locations and kind of stuff. That's kind of neat. Yeah, because we, we go down there sometimes. And I just did a movie called Cursed Waters. It was a pirate film yeah, down there. The Mall Brothers. Brothers. And it was, it was the same place. Exact nice. same spot, and now the cottage is ruined. It's just a bunch of rocks. But that's Isn't that the wonderful same... that you can tell those guys they shot where Hitchcock shot. Yeah. yeah, and the stairway and you know, the whole thing. It's like, oh my god, that's not in England. That's no. right here in our backyard. There was a lot of a lot of it that was like you know a lot of exteriors might have been England, but a lot of other stuff was. Oh yeah, it was shot um, in England. Most some of, of it was shot in England or the. Or yeah. as you said, the uh, that hotel in the and uh, uh, Monaco, you oh, know, Hotel Princess, yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. then, um, but then, like, I think most of it was shot in uh, L.A. I think it was named after Princess Grace. Nice the hotel, but um, oh, that's uh, yeah. well, it wasn't then because uh, Princess Grace, it, well, when oh, you. you- she wasn't Princess Grace in 1940, so it must have been in a must have been called something else at the time. You're not a you princess, know? yeah. She wasn't a princess yet, okay. but she became a princess by the time you probably saw it. So yeah, it was probably named after in the her. 60s, yeah. It was the late 60s when we were there. Yeah. So yeah, she's already come and there gone. You, there you go. Yeah. Um. I fucking I, dude. We're gonna do uh we're gonna do dialing for murder next and God Grace Grace Kelly uh she's just so dial beautiful. for murder okay yeah just she's so freaking beautiful one. what I don't know if I've ever seen that one oh um, man but but Grace Kelly man she I I think uh, honestly out of all of the women Joe Fontaine is beautiful but like out of all the Hitchcock women Grace Kelly is like literally my most like jaw-droppingly gorgeous one that i've had a huge crush on like i i mean oh like i can see why she became a princess um okay so anywho um but joan fontaine is 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 wonderful and she got to use her two or three times um i think like i mean i don't know i just genuinely liked her and she was pretty um, I prefer pretty over beautiful any day. I just, I, I like women to be real. I don't want them to be all made up. Uh, you know, what's funny never, is, is she was in another like movie that. called the constant nymph. The constant nymph. Yeah. No, I, I, and it wasn't either. about a nymphomaniac. So I don't know. Like, oh. It wasn't about that. So I have no idea what. Oh. So it was an older movie. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, she was in um 
she was in suspicion like right after Rebecca and and then she was like in Jane Eyre and um Ivanhoe and um wow. you know tons of other movies and she was Othello you know she was she was in a lot of stuff and so she kind of kept doing her her thing and unfortunately she died in 2013 I want to say but at the age of 96 I mean <laughs> like that's a pretty good that's a pretty good run right there you know like she she did wonderful and um I absolutely I absolutely adored her um I I I I would love to see more of her more of her films you know and uh -huh. stuff that's the fun thing about the fact that um you know I I, I was born in 1982 so like there's so much so many films i haven't seen that were made for years and years and years and i just i follow this channel on uh youtube called the cobwebs channel and it's this guy on youtube um who discusses older films you know a lot more time you know than anything like he will tell you know tell people oh you should see this you should check out that or you know whatever and I absolutely adore that stuff because some of the movies he says I never even heard of, you know. Um, yeah. And it makes me want to go and watch them. Um, uh, too many movies, so little time, right? That's how yeah. I feel, man. Um, I, you know me; I love my movies, and and so yeah. so I started these podcasts to talk about them. Um. But I absolutely adore them, and I, I can't wait to sort of, uh, yeah, I can't wait to sort of kind of go into that stuff, you know? Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. You're a cinephile. I you know, am. There's a, there's a place to watch these for free called Cinema. It's a French company. Yeah, so everybody that's out where there, you watch this one. Yeah, I did. Uh, there's a commercial every so often, but you can skip it. You know, after 10 seconds, there's a little thing you can push the button and it goes well, to the, back to the movie. We're almost done. We got one like last like bit as uh, uh, what's his name's. Um, uh, the, the two guys are driving home and uh, Max feels like there's something wrong. Like he can tell something doesn't seem right. Oh, and yeah. so he's driving home and they come to a thing. And they said, you know, what time is it? And he was like, it's, you know, sometime at night. And he goes, it doesn't seem like it's uh, there's, there's the, it, it doesn't, it's too early to be breaking dawn. You know, why is there a light there? It's like, Oh, that's not the light. That's uh Mandalay. And they no, for that he says that's the northern lights. The northern lights, right? yeah. And he and said, No, like, that's not that's not they were too far south. Yeah. So and he so said, he's like, Mandalay. That's not the northern lights, that's Mandalay. And uh so they go they go and right, uh yeah. uh go to Mandalay and they see it's burning, you know, it's all burning. And oh, it it's a raging inferno. Wow. And it, it was because okay. of uh the uh, the lady Miss Danvers and uh she got crazy because she just did not want them to uh to live in that house because you know she thought that was Rebecca's house. That was not 
That's yeah. not Max de Winter's house. That's Rebecca's exactly. house. How dare he she he bring someone new into this house and 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 ruin ruin it. Um and so well, it's her house too. You know, and she if she had a love affair with the the, the mistress of the house, yeah. then of course that's dishonoring her memory, bringing yeah. somebody else, some floozy, you know, from floozy, some sweet freaking country gal who didn't deserve yeah, some this. country bumpkin. Um, yeah. so the the country bumpkin herself is out with the uh, the dog. Um. Which we never mentioned the dog, but the dog's been a part of the movie throughout. Jasper, you know? yeah. Jasper. I well, we mentioned him a little bit when he went out and uh went to the boathouse and stuff. Yeah, um, that that he figured into that pretty well. Yeah, so he uh thank God he survived. I don't like movies where the dogs die or whatever, so I'm always worried. I'm more worried about the dogs being like if if Joan Fontaine had died, it would have been sad, but um but not as sad as if Jasper oh, yeah. died. Um, <laughs> what did you think about Mrs. Danvers' death? She was she stuck kinda, inside there, and she just let it happen, I guess. She didn't look like, too scared or anything. She just kind of yeah. looked up, and the ceiling came in on her. Yeah, she just but, knew. Uh, I think she knew yeah. that if she, if she, she was going to gonna burn this house down, she was going to die with it, you know? Yeah, I think she wanted it that way. Yeah, I think she wanted to commit suicide because, like, the love of her life uh, was, was yeah. gone. One one and, died um, by water, the other by fire. Fire, yeah, interesting, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah interesting comparison. Did you did you just think of that? I did. That's. Yeah. I think that's that was probably <laughs> a thing. I think that Hitchcock is very much known for those kind of metaphors and, and symbolism. Stuff. Yeah, symbolisms, and then yeah. like we said uh, at the end of it, it shows Rebecca's. Uh, a pillow, and it says it just says R on it, and they zoom up on it, and it says the end, and that is the movie. That is the movie in a huge ass nutshell. And I, I kind of my my thing with it is I think that it's um, it's probably one of his best masterpieces. I don't know if he if he loved it exactly, you know, because. I'm always surprised when directors who's who made a lot of movies will uh, sometimes be like, yeah, I didn't really like that one that much, you know, um, but you, you're not there as a fly in the wall, you know, for for what they had to go through. You know what I mean? Like if they had a really bad time, they're probably not going to like it as much. You know what I mean? I think that's true. I probably any part any problem with Selznick would have colored his uh you know his vision of the film and, and uh, he worked with Selznick for a few pictures because they were you know that's what they did back then they they hired you not just for one movie but like for like three or something three picture deal and I think that's what he had um yeah. and he didn't do necessarily the greatest with it you know like i mean i i mean with with all the other ones this one was just fan freaking tastic you know but i think selznick um didn't really you know put his hand in a lot more stuff and i i think honestly he should have known like if you're gonna hire alfred hitchcock you're hiring him because he's a fucking beast you know he knows how to he knows what he wants and he knows how to get it 
That's how I view it. So I, I absolutely loved um I love this. I, I would love to see a period piece. Not period piece, like a um I, I would love to see a biopic on David Selznick at some point, you know. So I bet he's got I bet he's got some real good stories, you know. Oh, they all do. Yeah. All the studio chiefs and stuff were interesting characters. Force of will, you know, they'd have to be, you know, larger than life personalities. Yep. So the other one that he produced with uh, Hitchcock was Spellbound, which we did. And that starred Ingrid Bergman and uh, Gregory Peck and Leo G. Carroll. So. You know, um, and he had done the parodying case, and the parodying case, as we know, was not that great of a movie. You know, we've we've reviewed that one too. If you remember that one, yeah, we uh, review that yeah. one. Yeah, that was the uh, court one. I think we did. Uh, that was the court one with Gregory Peck and see, Charles Coburn. I I have them all written down here. Yeah. Did you say dial M for murder? Yeah. We're going to do it. Did we already, we already do dial that. M for murder? That was number four. <laughs> that was the first season. Dial Is M it? for murder. Yeah. Do you have a list of all the movies? Oh, Jesus. Um, I don't. I thought you told I mean, I, 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 I here, did, guys. but I didn't write down the first season i don't think oh i did so we did I mean, suspicion could... we did do dial in for murder that's right oh fuck all right well i guess we'll go to whatever's next i'll i'll look at what's next and then we'll put that out there we did we did suspicion lifeboat shadow of a doubt uh dial in for murder notorious trouble with harry strangers on a train the 39 steps the lodger and psycho Okay, so that's season, that was season one. one. Season two had Spellbound, I Confess, The Wrong Man, Frenzy, To Catch a Thief, Stage Fright, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Marnie, Under Capricorn, and Vertigo. Okay. And okay. this season so far, because this is season three, had Rope, The Paradine Case, Jamaica Inn, Torn Curtain, Rebecca, and I guess... We'll go straight to uh, murder, not just not dial in for murder, but murder. Oh, murder! A, I've heard of that one. Yeah, that's a old. It's actually his first talkie. Oh really? Yeah. I wonder where that's available at. Uh, I think you can even see it on YouTube because it's a. Yeah. Um, but it might be on Tubi because it is okay. a public domain movie. Uh, God, man, I'm glad you caught that about doing it, because then, um, well, I, I have this list right in front of me, so, um, let me see, it's not on Tubi, um, it does not look like, um, but it's, I think it's on, uh, uh one of the other ones, yeah, one of the other ones, um, there's a lot of them now. Yeah, let's see. There's Roku, there's Tubi, there's YouTube. 
Uh, let's see. Murder. Um, <laughs> this is riveting stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Um, if you're still listening, thank you. <laughs> we really appreciate uh, you still, still send listening. It, while send us your comments. Yeah, while we're trying to figure out what's next. Um, I mean, I think murder will be fun, but I got to see if where I can, where you can find it real quick. Um, it was, um, it says it on IMDb where, where you can usually find these things, you know? And, uh, by the way, we're going to be a lot in the, in the next couple seasons, we're going to be exploring a lot of their, his older stuff because, we haven't explored a lot of that yet. So, uh, Plex, okay. Plex has murder. So, Plex is free, by the way. It's a free app that you oh, can Flex? see on your TV. Plex? Plex, yeah. P-L-E-X? P-L-E-X, yep. And I think it's on YouTube as well. I think if you just look up Hitchcock murder, you know, uh-huh. um, it'll, it'll pop okay. up. Um, Hitchcock murder. Nineteen thirty. Yeah. Well, that. So if you look up that. Hitchcock murder nineteen forty, um, there is a uh, yeah, the full movie, uh, is on oh, YouTube. That, was that the YouTube. same year? Wait, nineteen thirty, not forty. 30, oh, so ten years earlier. Like I said, it was okay. his first talkie. So. Wow. Um, cool. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun because I've never actually seen it, but I've seen clips, and I know like yeah. a very specific scene that is really, really good, and was a usage of like, because Hitchcock was one of those people that did not like to, did not want to do a talkie unless it meant something, you know, for them to actually have vocal stuff, you know. And so he made sure that the movie utilized the the voices, you know, perfectly. But there's there's a lot to it, and I can't wait to discuss it because it's gonna be a lot of fun, especially since I've never seen it. So like fully or whatever, and I've only seen clips. So I, I, I will. It'll be fresh to me, and I always love watching movies that are fresh to me. Yeah, me too. So, uh, anyway, um, I guess that was it for this episode. Uh, it's a long one, actually. So, I guess that's how we're starting the new year. <laughs> with a long episode. Yeah, yeah, it was well worth it. So. Well, yeah, because there was a lot to talk about. I mean, it's a two-hour long movie, so it kind of deserved a two-hour long video or, <laughs> you know, thing. Yeah, yeah, analysis, right. Sure. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you guys uh, for for listening. Hope you guys liked what we had to say. If you're a big fan of Rebecca, let us know and uh, comment below um, and subscribe. Um, check out, follow our um, podcast. You can also follow us on Indie Film Cafe on uh, YouTube, on Instagram as Indie Film Cafe Network. Uh, on Facebook, there's also a group, uh, Indie Film Cafe group. You know, you can follow. So we've got plenty of stuff there. Um, and Hooked on Hitchcock also has a page. Uh, I need to update it more with stuff, but it's just, it's hard. Um, social media is not easy when you have like multiple shows and different things. Sure. And, you know, there's a lot. But um, once again, 
Larry, I'm just very happy you're um you're on this show. And I mean, we've been this is we've done two and a half seasons so far. You know, we're yes, almost we twenty six episodes. We got five more episodes to do, and we're done for this season. So you know, um, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, I I can't wait to kind of see where where it goes and and what happens. You know, so there's so much more to to explore with Hitchcock. Um, and uh, if you're a big fan of Hitchcock, please check out our other stuff for it. So um, I can't wait for that. So thank you so much, Larry, and thank you all for listening. Uh, Join us next month for a brand new episode where we're going to be talking about murder. Yeah. Well, uh, the movie murder. Educational for sure. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Thank you and thank you, everybody. Bye.